Hi, I'm Kanika, and you're listening to That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, where I interview public figures on their life lessons in parenting, legacy, and built-in sixth sense. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland, and you're checking out That's Total Mom Sense. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton, and my experience on That's Total Mom Sense was fantastic. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Thank you to my guests, brand partners, community, and you for making the show possible. Episodes release every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and by following me on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Kanika Chadha Gupta. Now let's dive in to today's episode. According to Medline Plus, most American children spend three hours a day watching TV. Added together with all types of screen time, this can total to five to seven hours a day. Screen time is known to hinder focus and may cause ADHD, impair social and emotional development, and disrupt sleep patterns. Today's guest, Dr. Ali Tickton, has become a dear friend and has dedicated her life's work to helping children and parents get off their screens and focus on play. It's what our biological needs call for. Dr. Ali Tickton's mission is to empower children and their families through sensory play so that they can thrive through childhood and beyond. Ali is the founder of Play to Progress and author of the book, Play to Progress, where she provides parents with an overview of all eight, yes, that's eight, senses and gives parents ways to enhance those senses at home. Dr. Ali uses the science of child development and the joy of play to boost children's confidence and enhance development within all areas of their life, from social, emotional to physical and academic. Dr. Ali believes that the best way to support children is by arming their parents from inception with the knowledge and skills necessary to encourage their child's development for success through childhood and beyond. Dr. Ali began her work in pediatric development at the University of Michigan, where she earned her BS in movement science and continued her studies at USC, where she received her master's and clinical doctorate in occupational therapy. She is certified in sensory integration and hopes that one day quality open-ended play will be considered just as important as learning your ABCs. Dr. Ali, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I want to start with a shout out to our common friend, Candice Nelson. She is the founder and CEO of Sprinkles, cult classic cupcake brand, and Pizzana Restaurants, and the author of Sweet Success. And she and I met in Phoenix at the No Woman Summit. And, you know, we hit it off. We had been in touch before then because she has been on the show. And she said, you have to meet Allie. And when we did, it was like electric. I'm so glad you put us in touch and made this happen. So Candace and her husband, Charles, they have two boys. And when I was in grad school, moved to LA. I'm from the Midwest originally. And I was like, okay, I need a job, right? Like I'm in grad school. I have Fridays off and we got weekends off. And I was like, I need to make some money. Like Mm -hmm. I'm living off student loans. (laughs) It's expensive here and I I need a job. And I was like, what could I do? Really my only skill set is working with kids. And so I was like, I'm going to just 
find a family to, and I, at the time I was thinking of like the occasional babysitting job. And I was like, I'm going to find a family to babysit. And I heard of this website called Sitter City. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to put my information on Sitter City and I'm going to find some families to babysit and I'll make some extra money to, you know, help me get by some spending money and different things like that. So I put it on and this woman named Candace reaches out about her two boys. This is what's so funny. When I went for the interview and even started working for them, I had no clue they owned sprinkles. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't know. But I ended up nannying for them, just really got to know the family really, really well and became really enmeshed in the family. And then one day they said, finish school. And they were like, let's go in business together. So I'm a really big believer that the universe has a plan for you. And there aren't accidents, like everything really does happen for a reason. And I have so many things in my life that are these wild things. The fact that I have this company and it all started with a sittercity.com. I want to switch gears and talk about one of my favorite books. And I was reminded of it when I was reading your book here, Play to Progress. This favorite book of mine, um, I'm sure you know it, uh, is one I read in seventh grade. It's called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten by Robert Fulgham. And I uh, had to read it as part of a reading and writing workshop class. You know, God bless our, our teacher. She said, you know, you can take a very concrete subject and even current affairs and tie it back to something abstract. And this is something that Fulgham does so well. And so I remember my essay, it was on the Persian Gulf War. And I was just talking about why wars happen in the first place based on, you know, countries having different religions or ideologies or politics and so on. And I took it to the abstract and what you learned in kindergarten. And I said, what if countries and leaders of nations could just have a big pillow fight and just fight like kids um, and end up laughing at the end of it and then move on past their differences? Yes, it's totally facetious. But if you think about it as adults, we don't know how to play nice in the sandbox anymore. In my childhood, I think of how everything came back to play for me and play really was my therapy. No matter what chaos was going on in the home, in my life, and not that it was so chaotic, but I always would come back to play. And I was Mm. very lucky that I lived on a street growing up where everybody just was always outside playing. First of all, we were always barefoot. I I laugh about it because I'm like, we never had shoes on. (laughs) We were running around the street without shoes on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, we never had shoes on. In the summer, we had bathing suits, no shoes. We could be on a bike. I mean, we'd wear a helmet. I remember that. Right. (laughs) A helmet and no shoes and pedaling. Oh my God. I love it. (laughs) You know, I have a a quick fact to say about that. A friend of mine who she's um, a pediatrician, in fact, went into dermatology. She believes in all things kind of holistic and healing. And she said, there's something very special about feeling the grass under your feet 
mm-hmm. and your toes, it makes you feel connected to the earth. We never really feel the ground underneath us anymore. So, right. you know, the fact that is you did this as children, so like intuitively, that's a great thing. That's not something we see anymore. And in my childhood growing up in the Midwest, and one thing that I think really helped me get through many hardships was play. And I Mm -hmm. think about it even so as I got older, things shifted in my life and I started to make sense a little bit more of, of how my family looked. By that, I mean, like dad was in Texas, mom was in Michigan and what that meant back and forth. And my dad, despite being in Texas, was the best father. Like this was before Skype. Mm -hmm. And I remember we had a fax machine for my mom's work. We used to sometimes like fax my homework to him so he could do homework with me over the phone. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. God bless him. That's a big Yeah. So we've always made it work and I would go there for the summer in Texas. And we always had this still very, very close bond. Him and I had a very, very special bond. And when I was a teenager and making sense of my world, and of course, you know, like teenagers do, I started really like making sense and putting things together of what's happening in my world? Like, why did you go to Texas? And given that my mom then was in Michigan as a single mom, she worked a lot. And so that meant I spent a lot of time alone. That's when I would turn to my dolls. (laughs) Yeah. I would play dolls by myself for hours. And luckily I had all my friends on my neighborhood, but at this time I was a teenager my dad and I were fighting. Like, you know, I was mad. I was, I was resentful. Probably. I was probably a little resentful and I was also just processing it all as teenage girls do. Yes. My parents took me to something called the landmark forum. I don't know if you guys, Oh my God, I've done it. Okay. So (laughs) my parents met at the landmark forum and interesting. Yes. And they are the, my mom to this day is a big landmark person recently. She's getting back into it, but so I like really grew up around landmark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am not a big landmark. Yeah, I know. I I took it for what it was and then kind of Yeah. And I say I'm not because I've only taken it this one time as a teenager at it. I expressed some things to my dad. I was young. I don't remember all of what happened, but that would have been the last time that I saw my dad. So Mm. my dad committed suicide when I was 14. It's interesting because he had such a journey that I think in my adult years I'm making sense of. And when I think about it and how it relates to my career and everything that happened in my childhood, I would be lying if I thought that I'm not also thinking of their childhoods, like in my dad's childhood. And my dad was gay. He came out as gay. It was a very hard journey for him to come out because in the 90s, that wasn't something that was accepted. And it's something that I am such a fierce advocate for. And 
one thing I'm very lucky about is in my individual family, that was no big deal. Literally at all. I've, I've asked my mom about it and she said, well, I knew he like, you know, had, was interested, also attracted to men when we got married. I didn't care. We were a very liberal family and it just was no big deal inside of our home. But that's not what was echoed outside of the home. Actually at Landmark, a child stood up and looked at me, you know, kind of dead in the eyes and was like, your dad's and said some very horrible things. So, oh, but when I think about their childhood and their play and, and how did play help me? And I was a big tantrumer, mm-hmm. huge. I really had some big sensory needs as a child. My parent, I was also, I was delayed in all of my milestones mm. and my parents at the time, OT wasn't well known, especially in Michigan. Mind you, my dad's a physician and my parents brought me to these doctors. My mom did not tell me this until maybe a year ago. She said, the doctor told me you would never be coordinated. Oh my goodness. I was pretty delayed. (laughs) He was like, I guess the doctor said to him, like, she's never going to be, her gross motor skills are just never going to be good. She'll never be a coordinated child. Flash forward to how I'm learning and how I'm going through everything. And as I'm processing this, this emotional side, I also have this piece of, I don't know where I fit in school. And I learn different than the rest of the kiddos. I had this incredible kindergarten teacher who was my fiercest. She was just a fierce advocate for me. Mm. And she saw me and she would say to my mom, she's going to catch up. It's going to be okay. And my parents saw me and they saw my intelligence and they saw my skill and they kind of let me explore it and go with it. And, you know, my mom says it drives her would drive her crazy, but I would take things apart in the house. (laughs) Like I was always like messing with the battery cover or something like that. But she tells this story of, she was trying to put together, like it wasn't Ikea back then, but it was some sort of piece of furniture from a store. And I was watching her and I was young and she couldn't get it. And I said, mom, let me do it. And I forget if I was, I think it was under seven. And I did it. Wow. <laughs> and wow. So my way of learning was always, and to this day is very different. Mm-hmm. In second grade, I put on, maybe it was third grade, a reflection paper that I'm too fidgety. You know how you have to reflect on what you need to do better for the next year. Right. And I put, I'm too fidgety. So how ironic that now I'm an OT and I think of that all the time of, hold on, was I too fidgety or was it that I needed some more movement? My way of learning was and is very different. I needed more movement. I needed more what we call play to progress body tools. I didn't have that. So I would Mm -hmm. lay on the ground when I got home from school and I held it all together, never could really find my place in school. And even though I had great friends and I would, I mean, I literally remember 
laying on the ground and like pounding on the door of like just kicking and screaming and just home was my safe place. I would just unleash it at home. Oh my goodness. I feel like you were meant to do this work because you have lived it and how you were so acutely aware as a child. Now you have created the knowing and have tapped into the tools and the resources we have. And the fact that you've packaged it together for parents in this book is giving us all a chance to get to know our kids on a whole other level. Thank you for that. Can you talk about why you say we have eight senses, not just five, because this is really, really illuminating. One of my goals right now, when you're taught your senses, what are you taught? You're taught what we can call maybe the common five. I don't want to call them Mm -hmm. the big five because all of our senses are important. Yeah. But in reality, we have eight. We have these three, I hate this, that they're called the hidden senses, but they are called the hidden senses because Mm -hmm. they're not known. I think I'll, I'll kind of call them the lesser known senses because they're so important to under, for a child, one, to develop and two, to understand their body and who they are. That's the piece that comes back to my childhood is I didn't understand who I was and I was so self-conscious of. I can't jump into the volleyball game and things like that. But we have these three senses. One is called the vestibular sense. A lot of people have heard of vestibular with vertigo. Mm -hmm. But it really is so much more too. Our second hidden sense is my personal favorite sense. It is called proprioception. And proprioceptive input is very, very calming. Our third sense is interoception. Interoception is one that I see is very important for emotional regulation. Many, I mean, all of our senses and how we process senses are very important. How we process sensory input is very important for emotional regulation. But interoception is understanding your internal awareness. And this is why it's so important. Many of us don't understand what our body is telling us. Mm -hmm. So an easy way to understand interoception is, do I understand I have to go potty, right? Do I feel I have to go potty and do I, do I get that? I want to start from the beginning and kind of go through the development of a child. And then that way we can tackle what we should be aware of and help them with at each phase in utero. Is there anything that we can do to help our child's development? Development really does start in utero. And and one thing I want to be careful with this question is not to make any parent feel like anything they do is their fault. Because there is only so much you can do in utero to keep the baby healthy. Of course, That's where our nervous system, our sensory system, that's where everything begins Mm -hmm. really in utero, which is actually amazing if you think about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember I would put headphones to my belly and, you know, play soothing instrumental music or 
in India, we have these, it's like hymns and prayer songs, bhajans. <laughs> and I, I did believe, I was like, I feel like, you know, my twins and then my younger one can hear this. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and they would kick and everything. So I, I feel like it was doing something. <laughs> and what I think is so special is the bond between a mother and their baby immediately when, you know, you give birth. So all of this development starts in utero. Mm. Now, as soon as your baby is born, we want to be really active about their sensory system. We want to immediately begin exposing them to sensory input. Right. We want to get them in tummy time. If you sing to them, talk to them a lot. Yeah. All of these pieces, we want to make sure we're doing. Right. My best friend just had a baby and she actually was also pivotal in Play to Progress. She helped me get Play to Progress started and worked for us for a number of years. And I learned so much from her, but we also just really have a very special bond. And her husband has made a diaper change, a really special time for their infant. Oh, I've never seen a baby love diaper changes so yeah. much. And it's <laughs> yes. because it's the special time where dad talks to me and, and engages with me and does these special things with me. So even something as small as that, like that is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. They're developing by moving and engaging their senses. Mm. So sensory play is actually critical for brain development. Yes. It's really important. And this is what concerns me, I'll be honest, about where we're going with some technology. Oh, yeah. 100%. I know you've shared this, but we can get into the toys and just all the paraphernalia that you need because it actually is very, very basic. I did a mm -hmm. partnership with Manhattan Toy and this was the first time that I learned how, you know, it's the wooden blocks, it's the dolls like you played with that spark curiosity in building an imaginary play rather than the things that light up and you're pressing a button and music comes out. It's like, it should not be so stimulating because kids need to discover on their own. Exactly. So you just hit the nail on the head. So here's where I say I'm concerned. First, I'm going to go with baby equipment because that's actually what you buy when you're pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone yeah. registers, especially your first pregnancy. You are like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? <laughs> right. <laughs> All the stuff, 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 stuff. This is what I mean when I say we're preparing sometimes for what I think is the wrong thing is that yeah. Mm -hmm. let's see on that registry, a tummy time class instead of a bumbo, which yeah. I really dislike bumbos. Mm -hmm. and funny. I've, I've said the word bumbo on a podcast before and a brand has come like company 
was running the podcast has come back to me and been like, we have to scratch that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's okay. That yeah, you're being you're being honest and like, you know, yeah, parents who are like you know, heavily researching these products, like, and so many of them, mind you, get recalled, you know, the swings and the jumpers and the like all that stuff. We want to allow our kids to move through each stage of development. Mm. When we pick toys, we want toys that do not play for our child, but that our child has to play with. If I have a dog and I just push the button to that dog and the dog barks and it walks, my little one does not choose what adventure that dog goes on because that dog probably only goes back and forth, probably not even back. It probably only goes forwards. And my child's not going to make that noise, right? They're, we've now taken them out of play. This toy just decided this is what I do. Yeah. Instead of this is what I'm going to do with it. Yep. Instead, we want to turn to very basic, simple, open-ended play. And this is where my childhood prepared me for my future because I no matter what was happening, was so playful. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I grew up in the middle of the Midwest. We didn't wear shoes. I remember one time we created something called the homework cut. We all had really big yards. Mm -hmm. And we would go back in the woods in this like little woody area. It wasn't that far back. It was like in someone's yard, but like go in this little woody area and we would take sticks and boxes and different things and make desks. And we would after school, we called it the homework cut. We would meet after school and do our homework together in the homework cut. Oh my God. I love it. Under trees. So we were always creating always different things. My sister and I used to make up dances for like mother's day and things like we were always creating, making now, when you say to a child, go make a fort what are they going to do? Oftentimes they're going to look at you like, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. And then they're going to think like, well, you need to go on Amazon and then buy the fort making set. And then that's the only way I can do it. And it's like, well, no, you can use pillows and blankets (laughs) and chairs and, you know, just whatever you have in front of you um, and use your imagination. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. No surprise that the world's biggest tech founders from Steve Jobs to Bill Gates had limited tech for their kids. Yes, we have growing technology and AI at our disposal, but especially in those early years, you can't use them as a crutch. It's only going to stunt them. So yeah, I think that's just really important for us to know. And so let's talk about two and up when... I know many of us, including me, introduced screens. And, you know, my kids watched a lot of Coco Melon. <laughs> it was just this built in babysitter. Right. And it, it went on for half an hour or, or maybe mm-hmm. in a day, an hour or so. But whatever that number of hours is for you, it's important to limit it. But the reason why, you know, speaking for myself, I did it was because. I didn't want the three of them fighting with each other. 
I didn't want to have to police because it's like this one took this toy. Then, you know, it's like snatching, pushing, all of that would ensue. And then the other side of it was, I just didn't want them to make a huge mess. So that's on me. I get it. But when I would choose to put the TV on, it was like, okay, you know, at least for this time frame, if I'm trying to finish a Zoom, they're going to be right where I left them. And I know a lot of parents would agree with me that they do the same thing. Tell us what our alternative is, because we know it's not. Yeah. So I do think the more we practice independent play, the better kids will be at playing independently on their own for longer times. So that's one thing to remember is taking that step back. I often say if you're going to use the screen, turn to shows like PBS, Coco Melon in particular, it's flashing and screens and quick, especially if it's on the iPad, it's right in their face. So try to watch it on a TV in a slower show, like the shows from our childhood. Yes, yes. I have introduced them to Sesame Street and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them now are back on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. (laughs) If you are going to do that, and and I fully get it, you know, now our goal is how do we get them playing independent for longer periods of time, right? Right, right. This actually comes back to what we were talking about before. It comes back to this ideation, right? We first have to give them the opportunity to play starting really young and practice that skill so that they can then as they get older, play independently for longer periods of time. The toy that I love actually, and I think it's a really good independent play toy is Magnetiles. And I know they're pricey, but I really do think it's a worthwhile investment because one, they're easy to clean up, super easy. Mm -hmm. Kids can create many different things with them. They really grow with the kids. Legos are another great one. And so- if you are needing more of a quiet playtime and they are struggling in that imaginary piece, then turn to something possibly a little more structured like magnetiles. And maybe you even say, build me a house and give them that starter point Yep. to bridge that. If they can't quite think this is what I build on my own, then let's start them off. Yes. With the eventual goal is we want them to come up with it, right? Now, Mm -hmm. siblings are going to fight. Not going to lie to that. (laughs) And sometimes siblings need their own space. (laughs) And so sometimes it's you go in the living room and you go in the dining room. You know? That's great. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's your space with these toys. And that's your space with these toys. And mom's going on a Zoom. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. I love that. But then it's okay to have them, you know, unattended. Because for me, I had a two-year-old and two three-year-olds. When they're young, you, of course, have to be attending them. And that's much more for older kids who can be alone and playing for a little bit longer. But yes, when they're two and three, of course, you have to be there with them and watching them in the room. But we still want to practice their playing, right? Yeah, that's true. So now I want to go through a few scenarios that I know all parents will be able to relate to and how you say we can kind of shift the narrative and infuse play and make sure that it's 
fun and not stressful. So the first is going out to eat. When we are out, even if it's at a casual family restaurant, you know, I see this all the time, kids with their tablets and they're not really enjoying their food. And it's just, you're just kind of numbing them so that they don't make a ruckus in public. How do we handle going out? Kids sometimes do need something at a restaurant, right? It is hard to sit there and we want them to get that point, but it is hard. They are little, like we do want them to play with something. And I'm also realistic. I was one time at a book club and someone was joking about Mary Poppins bag, (laughs) like pulling it out. I don't expect you to be Mary Poppins. Okay. (laughs) Right. Right. But instead, bring it back to when we were kids. Do you remember what we always did at restaurants? We color on the menu. Yes. And I know a lot of restaurants no longer give that option, but you can, that is the easiest thing to bring. And actually, Melissa and Doug, love Melissa and Doug, they have all of these really quick little travel games. Mm -hmm. And some of them, they have something called a water wow pen. Oh, yes. I know this. This is like the easiest, most fun little thing. Yeah. So pulling something like that out rather than going to a screen and just having them days away and having them there while they're waiting for their food, maybe they're playing with the water. Wow. And then when their food comes, we want screens away. Yes. So then we're engaging with the family. Um, We want toys away. So at that point, then we're all eating together, but I do get it. It is sometimes hard. You know, you Mm -hmm. want to play while you're waiting for the food and all of that. Great. Bring a little thing. The other thing I want to say is it's okay if if your little one acts out in public because everyone understands. And if anything, I commend you for bringing them there and letting that happen rather than just avoiding the scenario or putting an iPad and being like, no, 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 we have to act perfect. Let's shift our mindset a little bit to it's okay if they have a tantrum in public. And you know what? They will. Right, right, exactly. What about going to the grocery store? Again, kind of making sure that we have it be fun and playful. Yeah. So talk about sensory input. Groceries, the grocery store is like the best opportunity. There's so <laughs> much you can do at the grocery store for yeah. a child's sense. And it can be very overstimulating as well. So knowing if your child, you know, is at the point they can handle that. Here's what I'll say. You're not going to go on the, a big day of errands if you know your little ones maybe getting sick or they're really tired and they're not at their best. So you're choosing when to take them, of course. Right. But I do think it's really important kids are brought on errands because again, this all comes back to skills. The more that they can be exposed to, the more sensory input they can be taken in. Put your baby in the cart, let them sit there and look at everything and hear all the noises and feel how it feels to be pushed in a cart, all of those things. And as they get older, if they do have those little carts, I know it's going to take longer but those are amazing. There was an Instagram reel that I came across where this dad did a hack. And instead of pushing the cart with the baby facing this way, he turned it around and said, let your baby drive. Right. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. So now the 
the kid is facing out and thinks that they're driving the cart and they're seeing the tomatoes and the bananas and everything in full view. And yeah, I feel like there should be handles on the other side so they can do that. Yeah. And the other thing I think about is, you know, I was just at a conference, a feeding conference, and they were talking about like bringing kids to the grocery store and let them pick, be a part, you know, with some of our kids, like I've done meal planning and different things with families, like let them go to the grocery store with them. And they're part of that decision-making because they're going to then be so much more excited during the week. And now I know it gets hard sometimes in the toy aisle. And mm-hmm. I say this about Target. I always, this is a little joke of mine because how many of us go into Target for one thing? Yeah, it's so true. It's like just avocados. Just kidding. I spent $300. <laughs> then do we blame our kids? Yeah. <laughs> toy aisle and yeah. all of a sudden they want a toy but we go I'm guilty of mugs so I go in the mug aisle and yeah. all of a sudden I'm like oh that mug's cute and that mug's cute right right I believe a little one for also wanting a toy it's I yes. have the same thing I struggle with yeah and so it's then preparing them a little bit more right. just like we have to prepare ourselves not to get the mug mm-hmm. you prepare them of we're not going to get the toy. This isn't available to us at the moment, but then get them excited of like, you need to help me pick whatever it is you're there. If you're there for towels, like which towel do you want for your bathroom? Whatever it is, if you're there for soap, let them pick which hand soap they want, which toothpaste they want, things like that. Cool. I love it. Um, And now what about waiting in line? I feel like we don't have to do this nearly as much. I remember going to the bank with my parents as a kid. All the time. It was so boring. And you're just like, just for the lollipop. But let's say, you know, you're in line with your kids. What can they play while they're waiting? We use what we call body tools. You may know them as fidgets. I am a really big believer to always have one in your purse, but it can be anything. So I can make my scrunchie into a body pool tool and start twisting it. Right. So Mm -hmm. anytime you're waiting, and this actually is something I teach a lot of educators because even though kids aren't waiting necessarily with parents in public quite as much anymore, like at the bank and things like that, there is still a lot of waiting in class of like, we're all going to go potty together and then wait on the wall till everyone's done going potty, things like that. So that actually still very much does exist. Mm -hmm. And it's a really simple thing that this is your body tool. And mind you, we've already taught kids starting very young, let's pay attention to your body and what your body means. So instead of saying, oh, sit still, don't touch that, things like that, we say, it's kind of tricky, right? Here's Mm -hmm. a body tool to help your body in this moment. And now what did we do when they're older and they're sitting in math class and they're like, you know, wanting to who knows, get up, do something else, they can grab something and make that a body tool. So now we've just primed them from this one little waiting in line. And it's just a simple fidget. There are some fidgets I like better than others. My favorite fidget is the sample from Purple Mattress. Okay. Some people may have heard of the Purple Mattress. I walked in one day with a friend to, he was buying something there. and they gave me the little sample of the mattress, which they use, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming for marketing. And I was like, 
I'm not interested in the mattress, but this sample, <laughs> and as it turns out, you can buy them online. You can also get them for free at the stores. They give them out and they're amazing. Oh, I love it. I do like, well, my kids rather like poppets. Yes. Good. So here's my theory on these trendy fidgets. I Uh think puppets are great for a line. I would not send them to school. Yeah. 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 Okay. Here's why some of these fidgets, the fidget spinners were like this. They get to be trendy and then they get to be a toy and like a collectible and a little bit of a distraction. Mm. So All of the fidgets, especially the fidgets, especially that we send to school, we're very mindful that they're not a toy. Yeah. Because it's not, it shouldn't distract from the education. It should help them attend to their education, right? It should help them access their education. So this little purple mattress thing, it's it's not a toy. It's not trendy, right? Whereas Poppets, initially, when I first saw Poppet, it was long before they were trendy. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Then they got really trendy. Yeah. And now they have, they're cool and they're a toy. So now that's not something I would send. So think much more simple. It can be as simple as a hair clip. Honestly, oh, I often wow. the hair clip. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I love how, you know, simplistic it is. And now let's talk about having them interact with other kids and building the confidence to do that. Cause I know when kids are younger, they do a lot of cross play. It's mm-hmm. like you take your toddler on a play date and they're actually not really interacting like with the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which is totally normal and fine. But when they're a little older, you know, if they want to get involved in the game or whatever. It's how how do we help them play with other kids? Yeah. Good question. And we learned a lot about this during the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think we took it for granted in some ways. And then when the pandemic hit and kids were completely separated from one another, we saw so much Mm -hmm. when we brought them back together. And what I will say is opportunity is everything. Yeah. Bring kids to parks young. There are always other kids at the park. Yes. Your local park is the best place. Your local park, your local library. You don't have to sign up for all these classes. If you want to, they're wonderful. Great. Do it. But also the park works too. Yeah. And so make sure starting really young that they have the opportunity to be around other kids and more than just their siblings because siblings are often different ages or in your case, if you have twins, we also want them to have their separate life and learn how to make friends separate from each other. So that's another piece. So the more you can expose them. Now, if they are having trouble jumping into play and playing, you can start that play a little bit. So for example, this is something we saw a lot after the pandemic kids, they were struggling and Mm -hmm. to play together. And so sometimes if I have a little one who's like not jumping into play and, and this can really be a big thing in preschool. Right. Mm -hmm. So they are three, four and they're like, I want to play and they're kind of watching them, but they don't know how to jump in. I may say something like, I noticed they're playing dinosaurs and I may narrate what I'm noticing, right? So I noticed Johnny is a T-Rex 
And I notice Alex is the zookeeper. It looks like they might need another T-Rex. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. The T-Rex. So I've just narrated what I saw the kids playing and where they can jump in. Right. Right. That's so nice. And then would you say parents, we don't do this nearly enough, but like we should be doing the fun, crazy things. Like let's roar like a T-Rex together. Let's walk like a cat. Like, yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Do you know what I tell parents all the time? Okay. So I'll tell you, I love camp. I believe camp is like where kids' lives are changed. Yeah. I dream of like one day in my retirement starting a camp and I just believe it's the most special place and where kids really, really connect. And I just love it. So because of that, you know, I've worked at many camps and especially Paul Newman's camps. He has a network of camps called the Serious Fun Camps. I worked at one called Double H while I was in college for a year. And then when I moved out to LA, I got involved in the one out here called the Painted Turtle. And if ever you need an example of an adult tapping in, go volunteer at one of these camps. And you see adults being so silly. And so I always say to parents, tap into your inner camp counselor. Yeah. (laughs) Like tap in and get silly. Be hysterical. Be funny. Chase them. And I promise you, it's going to be therapeutic for you to get that inner child out. And this is a big one. And I'm sorry to all parents. Be okay with the mess. I know. That's so hard. I know. And you know what? We're so... I think like mess averse that it's one of these things like let them get messy. And I will tell you, like my mom one day called me after a day with my nephews and she's like, they just like to get so messy. Like, I don't remember you girls getting that. (laughs) And I'm very tactually sensitive. And I was like, no, that's good. Like let them get really dirty let there's a connotation sometimes I think people are like oh I, I don't want my kid to look dirty I'm like no, yes you do right right yeah like, my future kids are going to be the dirtiest yes <laughs> yes oh that's so sweet get messy with them show them it is okay to get messy because sometimes if if a child sees their parent like always cleaning up and always wiping and things like that they don't feel they have that permission, they're going to imitate that a little bit too. And Mm. so, and not saying all the time, they may not, every child's different, but we want to give them the permission to be like, it's going to go wild, you know? Right. Right. Oh my gosh. You are inciting a change in me. I'm going to show them that I can be the fun, messy mom too. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to just touch on the fact that play to progress is not only a book, it is also a brick and mortar location, right? Yes. And so the book is Play T.O. Progress. The mm-hmm. company is Play the Number Two Progress. And 
we do have locations in Los Angeles and we have a variety of services. So, you know, we of course have individual occupational therapy. We also have group occupational therapy. We have pre-preschool, we have parent and me classes. We have kind of just open fun classes like our messy play class, which is really popular. And we joke it's really popular because we let them get so messy and then parents don't have, don't like to like get that messy at home. Right, right. <laughs> it's like they come to us and it's totally okay to make that giant mess. Um, so we have a variety of different classes and in also therapy as well. So feel free to check us out if you're in the Los Angeles area. And hopefully one day we will be all over the nation and you'll be able to check us out there as well. Yes. Manifesting that now. Oh my goodness. I just really loved the book. I want to touch on a few fun things that I've incorporated. One is the laundry relay. I already have my kids helping with laundry, but to make it a little fun and competitive, it's just game changer. And then the other thing is loopy letters. Love Mm -hmm. that exercise. You can use string, you can use pixie sticks, but it's like why not have your kid be introduced to letters in a fun way where they have to kind of find them. And so, yeah, it's just, there's just so many great exercises, 90 exercises to be exact in the book. Yeah. I can't wait for all of you listening to read it. We are starting a book club and this is something that we're taking on to IG live. If you're listening to the podcast, then you can join that way by emailing that totalmomsense at gmail.com. And Ali, just to, before we let you go, can you tell us a quote that you live by? So there is this Albert Einstein quote that and he said, play is the highest form of research. And I think there's nothing more I could agree with, to be <laughs> honest. I think both in my personal life in what I've learned from my childhood and where it has led me today, everything has always come through play. And I, I learn about myself through play and now it might look like jumping through the waves and it's where I challenge myself. Yes. Oh, and it's something that not only we can encourage our kids to do, but as adults, we have to do more of that too. Uh, so thank yes. you for inspiring that in us, Ali. Awesome. Um, so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to my interview with Dr. Ali Tickton. Ali, thank you for your insights and wisdom. I absolutely love this book, Play to Progress. It's one that I keep at my nightstand and a daily source of inspiration on how I can change how I interact with my kids and make sure to infuse some fun and play every single day. You can follow Allie at playtoprogress.com and you can buy her book on Amazon or, or your independent booksellers and join our book club. We launched it on Instagram and it's that total mom sense and play to progress coming together. And we're going to have a meeting to discuss the book and go over your specific scenarios in parenting and the like that Dr. Ali can help with. Um, she's here for you and she will help you navigate all those struggles um, and get you those solutions that you've been seeking.
You can follow me at Kanika Gupta and on my website, that's totalmomsense.com and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, that's Total Mom Sense. We're also on YouTube as podcasts, so you can watch videos of the episodes you love. I am so honored to have you part of my community and I'm glad to be collaborating with experts like Dr. Ali to serve you better. As always, trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time. That's total mom sense.